Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, we want to get right into our show, but first I want to mention that you can find over 500 interviews categorized in 35 different topic file folders at the audio library at ExitCoachRadio.com. So come listen and learn from experts, authors, uh, advisors, thought leaders, people who have been there and done that, and they can help you learn about all of these topics at ExitCoachRadio.com. My first guest today is Craig Weber from the Weber Consulting Group, and Craig is joining us to talk about the subject of conversational capacity, and it's important to management, leadership, and teamwork. So, Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Bill. My pleasure, Craig. Thank you very much. Hey, Craig, tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you started the Weber Consulting Group. Um, my background uh, academically is in organizational development and organizational psychology. And after working internally uh, for a bank in Brisbane, Australia, I moved back here to the States and started my consulting practice back in the uh, mid-90s. I uh, did a lot of work in Silicon Valley, and then slowly that expanded to uh, you know clients all around the globe. And uh, what what type of clients do you look for? What what's your typical client look like? I'm really all over the map. I do everything from government agencies like the Centers for Disease Control or Los Alamos National Labs to small organizations uh, to large companies like Boeing, Pfizer, and what whatnot. So wherever people are trying to work together to wrestle with tough issues, my work tends to have wide application. So that's a pretty broad field. It sounds like you're you're going to be employed for a long time. You're never going to run out of work. That's a good thing. Well, <laughs> hey, tell us about this. <laughs> oh, please. This this phrase, uh, conversational capacity, what do you mean by conversational capacity? Yeah, good question. And the way I define it is it's the ability to have open, balanced, non-defensive dialogue about difficult subjects and in challenging circumstances. So a team, for instance, with high conversational capacity can put their most difficult, divisive, painful issue on the table and do exceptionally good work around it, whereas a team with low conversational capacity, often a minor difference of opinion can derail their performance. So you can have all the right people around the table, a great product or service, a killer strategy in place, all the resources you need at your disposal, but the conversational capacity of the team, the business, or key relationships within the business is too low it's going to underperform. So in that sense, sort of a bedrock competence, I think, in terms of putting together teams and businesses and organizations that are really firing on all cylinders. I get it. Okay, so it makes a lot of sense. And so if, if you have a situation where there's, there's probably underlying issues that are preventing that capacity uh, in situations that you come into, and, and is your job to find what those, what those are so they can increase their capacity? Yeah, a lot of times if I come in, it's where is the conversational capacity, given what a team is up to and what it's up against, and then how do you help them build it so that there's good alignment between not just what they're trying to accomplish together, their strategic intent, their plans, their uh, objectives, but also how people communicate and interact with each other in the service of those objectives. And often there's a pretty big mismatch. Mm. 
How do you, when you first come into a situation, how do you analyze what their conversational capacity is or isn't? Uh, very often uh, I'll do interviews and kind of ask people what's going on, what do they see happening, have they addressed the issue, if so, what has happened, and pretty quickly you begin to see the patterns. And often you'll see groups that are either not talking about issues they should because they're avoiding conflict, they're avoiding disagreement, or they don't want to rock the boat, or you see people going the other direction where they're overly argumentative, they're frustrated and worked up about the issue, and they're not handling it very well. And so what mm-hmm. you try to help them do is learn to kind of manage those conversations in a more rigorous, disciplined way. If they're not speaking up, how can they speak up productively? And if they're more argumentative, how do you help them bring up their points and raise the issues that need attention in a way that provokes more learning than defensiveness? What are some of, I guess one way to put it is what are some of the roadblocks or, you know, why is conversational capacity such a difficult thing to create? Yeah, good question. Uh Part of the problem here is, and a way to maybe frame conversational capacity as they answer that question, is that a group or a person with high conversational capacity is balancing two things at once. On the one hand, candor. They're very direct. They're very open. They're very no-nonsense, right? They're speaking their mind. On the other hand, they're very curious. They're open-minded. They're inquisitive. And the problem with staying in that productive place, that sweet spot where candor and curiosity are in balance, is that our own human nature works against it. Under pressure, when things get difficult, we tend to see the old fight-flight response kick in, and I either start shutting down when I should be speaking up, or I start getting argumentative when I should be sparking a conversation that produces learning. And so learning to recognize and manage when our need to play it safe or to be right is actually getting in the way of our balance, balancing candor and curiosity. That's a really essential skill when it comes to you know, increasing your conversational capacity. And what are some of the ways to, to build on that, to build that conversational capacity in a group? Yeah, there's a discipline, actually, a way of actually structuring conversations in a more mindful way. So that we're deliberately and intentionally, even under you know, fairly high pressure, we're able to balance candor and curiosity in a more deliberate way. And there's a mindset, something we need to be focused on, even when you know, we're being buffeted by difficult circumstances. And then a set of actual skills or behaviors. And fundamentally, the mindset, the thing we need to be focused on, kind of like a North Star, is, I gotta, is making more informed and effective choices. You know, I want to pool perspectives and get different people kind of chiming in and sharing how they're looking at an issue or a decision or an opportunity so that everyone's thinking in a richer, more robust way. And if I'm shutting down and not speaking up, that doesn't serve that objective very well. And if I'm arguing with people and shutting them down, that doesn't serve it well. So I've got to learn to recognize my tendencies and focus on making informed and effective choices. And if I'm Mm. doing that, there's a set of behaviors for actually balancing candor and curiosity under pressure that I want to use uh, to make sure that even when I'm being, you know, kind of pulled off balance by my tendencies, I'm able to sort of stay in that productive place. And once you're engaged in a situation, you see that there's dysfunction in that area and you start getting engaged with it, how long does it take for you to see or for, for your client to see results? Is it, is it I mean, with, with exercises, is it fairly, fairly quick? Yeah, a lot of times, especially if a team goes through on a, a workshop together, they'll see almost instant results, partly because they now have a shared framework for how to recognize when they're off balance and how to get back to balance. Uh, it also makes it harder for people to get away with behaviors they used to get away with because the team now recognizes them for what they are. They have a label for them. The other thing I often encourage teams to do is to put together a conversational code of conduct. Let's get very explicit about 
what we expect of each other, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate in our working relationships so that whenever there's a breach, we've got a protocol for how to get back to a good place. All those things can produce almost immediately more balanced dialogue, say in a meeting or one-on-ones where previously some dysfunction might have been getting in the way of performance. Uh, you know, I, I can just see such uh, incredible importance of this application in things like family businesses and uh, smaller businesses that are having, for instance, uh, I've had situations where uh, a, a father has brought a son into the business and the other managers aren't real happy about the son being in the business. And uh, the conversations are, uh, you know, there, there's difficulty in communication. And the problem is, of course, it has to get solved. It it can't go on. It just it's just a, a you know it's it's a bad situation. So it's very yeah. Important that's a really work. good point. Yeah, so, no, you're so, right. I think two yeah. two points there. You're absolutely spot on. Family businesses tend to require higher conversational capacity because the uh, relationships are deeper and more complex. But often, because the convers the uh, relationships are deeper and more complex, conversational capacity is actually lower. And so it's a bit of a conundrum. Family businesses are much harder to run and run well because of the added complexity. And then in a small business, you're absolutely right. If we've got a huge company with 200,000 people around the globe and a handful of people aren't working together productively, we can live with that. But if we've got a small business and even two or three people aren't working together productively, that's a huge problem. And so all the more reason to get the conversational capacity right in a family business and or a small business. Now, you've written a book about this. It's called Conversational Capacity, The Secret to Building Successful Teams That Perform When the Pressure is On. And uh, this, But this is important at, at any time to have this conversational capacity. Why is it so important to have that when the pressure is on especially? Yeah, especially when the pressure is on because that's when human nature tends to get triggered and we start flying out of that sweet spot. It's important whenever we're dealing with something important or significant, but if the issue is fairly low-key and there's not a lot of conflict or disagreement, it's not as difficult to balance converse, to balance candor and curiosity. Where it gets to be a real challenge is when people are vibrating at a high frequency. That's when you start to see people either start to, start, they start to shut down around the table because they don't have enough candor, or they start to overheat and get argumentative. So... Mm-hmm. So what, give us an example of, of how someone could recognize if someone is deficient. I mean, intuitively they might know, but deficient in those areas, candor and curiosity. Yeah, and there's two big symptoms. How do you know where conversational capacity is lacking in a relationship or a team? Uh, or even if you look in the mirror, if you look in yourself. Um, and one of the big symptoms that conversational capacity isn't where it needs to be is the presence of undiscussable issues in a business or a relationship, things that should be put on the table and we're just not bringing them up. They're coming up in the hallway. They're coming up in the parking lot. They're coming up to, you know, at a restaurant at lunch with a like-minded colleague, but no one's bringing it up in the meeting. Classic symptom. The other symptom we often see are not the undiscussable issues, it's the unproductively discussable issues. Those issues that come up in the meeting, sure, but they spark more heat than light. There's arguing, there's bickering, there's headbutting. We don't make a lot of progress on the issue, which means that either boomerangs around to the next meeting or often we just reassign it to the undiscussable list. So one way to start paying attention to where is the conversational capacity is to look for those symptoms much more carefully. Okay, and, and uh, you know, it's it's so important as I think about this. Uh, you know, there, I think every business owner should should read this book. But you also do hands-on workshops and classes, and you speak at groups like Vistage as well. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. I do a lot of uh, 
Vistage presentations over the last uh, 15 years, do a lot of work with uh, small business and you know, mid-sized business owners in that area, and then the workshops with big companies. I just spent uh, a week with the Boeing Leadership Center out in St. Louis, actually, week before last, so kind of bounce all around. So what's some of the feedback that you've gotten that you've heard back from people after after spending some time with you in workshops or going through this? What, what Give us some, tell us about a couple success stories or, or things you've heard. Yeah, well, one of the things, that the, the feedback I get a lot is that on the one hand, it helps them see things they've kind of intuitively seen but never had a way of making sense of before. So it's a very useful framework for kind of watching what's going on in an organization or a team. But then some very practical, actually measurable skills for how to influence the conversation in a meeting. And I've always liked to quote by Ayrton Marrera, Brazilian jazz percussionist, who said about playing jazz, I listen to what's being played and then I play what's missing. And I think what I like most about the feedback I get is that a lot of people say that's exactly what I'm able to do after your book or after your workshop is I'm a much more astute observer of what's being played in a conversation or a meeting where something significant is being addressed, and I'm far better at playing what's missing. If there's not enough candor in the room, I know what I can do to help ramp it up. And if there's not enough curiosity and we're in danger of overheating, I have some really practical ways of helping the group get back to that sweet spot. Now, you know, Craig, we're all creatures of habit, and, you know, we, a lot of people start something, and then six months later they, they drop it or they forgot it. How often do you think people should revisit this topic? Is there some kind of a frequency that they should check back in and, and benchmark whether they're, they're still on track with what they've learned or they should uh, take a booster course? Yeah, you know, putting together some sort of a personal and a team plan for how we're going to bake these skills into our operating rhythm is really important. So one of the things I encourage people to do is look at every meeting as a chance to practice. Develop a conversational code of conduct. Uh, perhaps in every meeting for the first uh, six months, assign someone at the meeting to be the sweet spot facilitator to watch how well is the team using these skills and then to jump in where necessary to help people get back. Sometimes having visuals in the workshop or in the meeting can be helpful where you've got the sweet spot up on the board as a visual reminder. And then a big one for the business owners is if you see people working with you to you know, stay in the sweet spot, to have more productive, balanced discussions, reward those people publicly. Let the team know you notice. And that can be a really powerful way to kind of shape the uh, patterns of conversation in your team in a much more healthy, much more balanced direction. And consistency is absolutely essential. You couldn't be more on the ball there. That's great. So, you know, I, as I think uh, all the business owners I've talked to, m uh, almost all of them have said, it's the people problems that I'm tired of. It's the, it's, it, and they're, what they're talking about is the communication issues like you're talking about here. So it's vitally important that business owners get this right. And again, your book is available and it's, uh, it's on Amazon. It's uh, uh, published by McGraw-Hill. And where else can people find out about more about this topic? And tell us about what's on your website, too. Uh, WeberConsultingGroup.net, a lot of articles, uh, kind of a blog with a lot of information about conversational capacity and very practical suggestions for why it's important and how people can build it. As you mentioned, the book's available almost anywhere books are sold. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of information out there if people are interested in learning more. And I think you're right. You know, This is kind of a foundational competence, but it doesn't get the attention it deserves. You know, I, I talked to a, a Vistage uh, group a while back and said, you know, we spend a lot of time getting the smartest and brightest people we can find into our business. And then we often don't pay as much attention to the environment in which they operate. So they can't bring their smarts to bear. And if you're not going to build the conversational capacity of your team so smart people can contribute their smarts, hire dumber people. They're cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Save yourself absolutely. some money. 
you know, it's often been said that your best assets go home every night as a business owner. And, you know, it's so important, but so few people, um, you know, will go find expert help in these areas. Yeah, they'll, they might get something like one of those profile studies, like a disc or something like that. But that's not, that's not as important as that day-to-day communication and making sure, like, like we're talking about, that you have conversational capacity. I really like that concept. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me through my website, uh, weberconsultinggroup.net, if you have any questions for me or uh, would like to learn more. And by the way, that's W-E-B-E-R, consultinggroup.net. And again, Craig Weber, who is the author of Conversational Capacity, The Secret to Building Successful Teams That that Perform When the Pressure Is On. And if you don't buy this book, I'm going to come find you. you gotta, you got to get this information out there. This is incredible, important information for you. And, Craig, we really appreciate you coming on to the show. And I hope we can uh, talk again sometime in the near future, maybe do another interview, go deeper on this topic, because it's vitally important, and I see it often. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the talk. Uh, my pleasure. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back after this. So please stay with us. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 